This episode is sponsored by OutlawPinball.com. OutlawPinball.com is a retro gaming and pinball apparel company based in Ohio that offers t-shirts, hoodies, hats, keychains, and more featuring retro gaming and pinball-inspired designs. Every purchase gets you entered into the OutlawPinball.com pinball machine giveaway that happens every three months, and right now you can get the Mandalorian pinball machine. Get an entry for every dollar spent in the store or become a VIP member to get store discounts and 30 bonus entries into the giveaway every month. The winner of the Mandalorian pinball machine will be randomly selected on June 14th. So go pick up some pinball and gaming inspired apparel to get your name entered. Also, when you're at checkout, go down to the promo box and type in CANNED10 for 10% off your purchase. That's C-A-N-N-E-D and the number 10. So go grab some apparel and get entered to win at outlawpinball.com. This is Tara Strong, and you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. That's right, and they're hardcore. Make sure you keep listening. You don't want to get pruned. And welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And joining us for this episode, we have from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Zordon himself, actor and writer David J. Fielding. David, thank you so much for being here, man. Glad to be back. Always glad to be back. And it's always great to have you here. And today we are talking about the Batman. We are, I, I want to say, uh, part of me wants to say reviewing, but I guess we're just kind of sitting and loosely talking about the Batman. Just kind of our likes, dislikes, what we overall thought about it. So very excited about that because I've been kind of anxious to talk about this movie. But before we do that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CandairPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, head over to our website, CandairPodcast.com. And uh, there's two different places you can click right there, the merch tab and the Patreon tab. You can get t-shirts, mugs, stickers to show your support, or on the Patreon tab for 5 to $10 a month, you can get extra content, all kinds of different things on there. The Candare Patreon pod, the Comic Vault. What else, Jack? What am I forgetting? Can't think of anything else. Candare Radio Theater. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have the 80s trivia ep- episode. We've got the traumatic episode, the episode where things went horribly, horribly wrong with a celeb guest. And I use air quotes when I say celeb. Uh, <laughs> all kinds of stuff on there. So check that out. Once again, candairpodcast.com. And don't forget to find us on evergreenpodcast.com, a network we're very proud to be a part of with a lot of other great shows. So once again, evergreenpodcasts.com. And with that all behind us, gentlemen, let's just jump straight into talking about the Batman. David, Jack and I have mauled this over back and forth quite a bit. I am so curious to hear what your thoughts are. I loved it. It it was one of those movies that uh, is exactly the type of movie that I love. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was so much synergy going on in the movie. All All the elements in it worked for me, from the cinematography to the lighting to 
the integration of the soundtrack, the amazing use of sound in the movie, the characterizations that that they have. It was so great to see or to actually sort of experience it as kind of a spiritual successor to the Tim Burton 89 Batman in a, in a way. Because in, in Tim Burton's 89 Batman, the, the city of Gotham was very much a character. It, it had a personality. Sure. It, it had a very definite look to it. And I, I think Gotham in, in Matt Reeves, the Batman, it serves the same purpose. It, the way it's shot, the way it's lit, the ever-present uh, oppressiveness of the atmosphere. And then Michael Giacchino's score just really sort of paid homage not only to Danny Elfman's uh, quirky Batman type stuff, but also to a uh, a real 40s noir type of atmosphere, which, uh, the you know, the, the, the movie just drips with it. It's uh, It just sucked me in all the way to the beginning. And the movie is like three hours long, but it did yeah. not feel like three hours. I mean, there was a couple of points near the ending where you're like, oh, it's over now. Oh, no. No. Yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, but I, it didn't feel draining to me at any point. It didn't feel like I was sitting in my seat going, oh, okay, move on, move on. Let's get to the next part. I thought they did such a really great job of doing this sort of David Fincher seven police procedural type thing with the character. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's just really cool. It is dark. It is. It is a very dark film, and and I could see. I was as I was watching it. I was like going, "How many <laughs> disaffected, lonely guys are out there looking in that and sort of like taking notes and going, oh yeah, I could use my social media to get my friends together, and oh yeah, we could all make a great outfit together.'" And I was like, "Oh fuck, this is too, this is too real. It's too realistic." I was like, "Oh my god." I thought what was really great and I don't, I don't want to dominate the conversation and, you know, I don't know how you, how else you want to proceed if you want to go moment by moment and, and that kind of thing. Um, But how did, how did you guys feel about it? How did you, what was your reaction? Um, I, I overall loved it, honestly. Um, As far as the length of the film goes, it's kind of a uh, two sides of a coin there. It, was very long for me and that's not to say though i ever was bored it's it's a strange thing but i was definitely at one point wanting to check the phone being like damn like what time is it but uh, like you said there were like two or three different points during the movie where i thought oh this is the end this is it you know but and then it just kept going again not complaining about that the score uh, you're right the score was amazing. I just had one one big problem with it. You're right, it did play very well on Danny Elfman's uh, original score, kind of like, a, would you say mimicking? I, I, not mimicking, but... Um, oh, no, what it, what it did is it, it, for a long time, Danny Elfman's Batman theme, when it, as soon as it came on, it was, oh, it's Batman. Right. You recognized the, the mm-hmm. note signature, the leap motif or whatever. This, this score has the same thing. As soon as you hear those first few notes, you're going to go, oh, it's Batman. Right. So uh, that's what I meant by that. Okay. Well, I guess that is kind of where my big problem lies. Not that it wasn't good, but it seemed like, and I was telling Jack this, (laughs) the Batman theme when he came on stage was almost note for note minus one note, the Imperial March from Star Wars. It was... 
there's a series of, I think there's a video out there somewhere where they take the Imperial, well, the, what they do is they show examples of, of older movies that have that music and sort of like point to it and say, see, John Williams copied this. It's, it's, a, it's a musical theme that's been around for like a long time. Is so, that right? Yeah, I'll have to find the link and send it to you guys, yeah. I would love to see that because I've, I've been watching reviews trying to find somebody else. I'm like, maybe I'm like fucking crazy on this, but seemingly like the only thing that's missing is that high note. You know, it's like that bomb, 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 bomb for the Batman. <laughs> and they just take out that bomb, bomb, bomb. Yep. Uh, maybe well, I'm kidding. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a musician, but I know it's very, it's very mathematical the way that notes and, and everything play together. Right. So um, it would be very interesting to talk to a composer or a, somebody who knows a lot about musical theory about why certain notes at, you know, in a certain key strike that same sort of ominous evil march type thing, you know? So, I, and, and but it played really well with the sort of, because the Batman really is kind of like this neo-noir horror superhero film. <laughs> because when the first time you meet the Batman, it's horrific. Yeah. <laughs> <Very> yeah. <horrible. laughs> and you got to think, yeah, if superheroes really existed, everybody would be afraid. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> like, oh my God. And that's <laughs> great how they played that too, because, you know, the, the movie immediately started with, you know, all these uh, criminals kind of anytime they were in the act of doing something horrible, you know, glancing off to like a dark alley or a dark, uh, I don't know, a door open or something and just wondering like, is he in there? Like is, is, sure he was there or something or he's yeah, not there. So like the fear or was, even looking into the sky to see the bat signal. Cause if it was there, then they'd kind of scatter. Right. Like he's out and about, like I could, yep. I could be on his list tonight. So dad yeah. came home type thing. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just, you know, with, with the music, it's just anytime you fill, you fill it with minor, minor chords seemingly is when you're, in seemingly introducing evil and stuff and i'm no uh compo composer by any means but i don't know I, I i'm not saying there was anything wrong with the theme it's just anytime i heard it i just was expecting vader or something you know it just sounded too similar and it's well, not was, even what's cool about um when the first time that you see the batman because uh when you look when you look back at tim burton's 89 version you see batman and then, you know, he appears above the, the criminals and he swoops down or whatever. Right. Uh, in this movie, you hear Batman before you see him. And right. for me, that was like really, really horrific. Or or it was, it implied a, a very sort of uh, horror vibe to it. Because if I'm remembering right, there's a sequence at the beginning where we hear uh, Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne kind of like reading a diary entry about uh, what, what day of the year it is and how, how yeah. long it's this but we we only get like the hooded guy walking through the crowd we don't see bruce wayne we don't see batman but after the the group of hooligans with the painted faces uh knock the guy down on the subway platform you hear those steel steel-toed boots on the metal steps of the subway yeah. coming up out of the shadows and just those steps one after the other methodical monstrous thing coming out of the shadows and then you see that 
that horned helmet coming out and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I thought that was so, I thought that was really, really well done. And um, Agreed. just the, the visceral, I mean, you felt every punch that that Batman did. <laughs> oh, easy. Yeah. yeah. That's See, true. Yeah. He's some yeah. pounding some ass in that one. Yeah. Bone break. Well, not like, literally Jack, but we well, know what yeah. you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, the score, all I could hear was the Nirvana song. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, and that's one thing that I, I that's one thing I didn't like is because every time I love that song. song in the score, you mean? Well, just a couple times in the movie, I think it's that slow minor. Version. Yeah, just like the music, just kind of it, it. It wasn't the song, but it reminded me of it because it's kind of the same notes too. I can see that. I didn't put that. I I know what you're saying. So I love that song, yeah. and it was awesome to be in that movie. And but every time you hear the dun, dun, that that's all I could hear, just waiting for Kurt to start singing it. <laughs> and it would just it's got to be kind of annoying, but at the same time, it's hard to hate a song that you like so much. It's really right. amazing how the lyrics of that song really capture Batman's Rogues Gallery because what is it the line in the song about all the things that I collect under the bridge are now my pets? And it's like, oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. Arkham Asylum. That's all your little buddies. <laughs> I was definitely in the mood to dig up uh, Nirvana's Nevermind after that movie. That's for darn sure. Yeah, it's been so long since Marvel, I've heard that. Marvel has been doing some really interesting things with the songs that they use for the movies and the, and the TV series. And I think they're using the music to sort of cue you to at what period, what time period this is actually supposed to be from. And I'm, I was wondering if... Hmm. Uh, the use of that song was to sort of like cue people to say that this is kind of like an early nineties Batman. But I mean, that may be, that's just a supposition on my part. I have no idea if that's actually what it was supposed to be, but like you, you take um, Spider-Man uh, No Way Home, the, the last movie, the last Spider-Man movie that came out this December, the ending song is a Delo soul song, which definitely sets it in a very early nineties hip hop period. So in, in the first movie, that we had with with Peter Parker, I think it, one of the songs that they had at the end was kind of like a late seventies. Well, it was um, it was the Ramones. I think it was uh, it was a Ramones song. Oh, um, oh my God! I thought about it too quick. Um, I know. Same here. Bebop or God, what the hell's the name of it? Um, but it's a oh Ramones Lord, song. It's anyway, on the tip so of my that's, tongue. That's the first. <laughs> it's that you know. It sort of cues you to think. Oh well. This was supposed to take place at, at the late 70s, uh, early 80s. And then when the second movie came out, it, it was definite, very definitely an 80s song at the end. And they did the same thing here with the 90s. So I think they're really sort of like taking all of these stories that began in like the 60s and 70s and updating them musically throughout the decades. And I think that's such an amazing choice to do that. So uh, Let's Creek Bop. That's what yeah, it was. That's it. Yep. That's what it was. Oh, it was driving me nuts ever since she said it. I was like, what is it? What is it? I know it. I know it. I'm going to take away my uh, punk rock card for that. <laughs> take all of ours Hey, you away, know the Ramones. So I was that's... hung up there. <laughs> How many times did I play that during? Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, the technology that he was using... Um, did, were were they using like touch touch cell phones like like screen cell phones? I can't remember because that would be the only thing that would uh, pull me into like a modern day. In the Batman, yeah. Am I am I incorrect about that? I don't know if they were or not. I can't remember. I feel like like um, 
Catwoman at one point was looking on her cell phone like for a message or something from her girlfriend who was missing. I can't remember. Yeah, I was I, trying to think. I was trying to remember. Did they were they using flip phones? Did they have that kind of device? I can't remember at all. I, I, I almost want like, to say that they used a, a smartphone at some point, but other than that, that was really the only tell of it being more in right. current times. Otherwise, it was. And I can't remember what Batman's uh, technical setup was in his Batcave or whatever. It didn't, you know, it didn't have like <laughs> the Joel Schumacher giant big screen <laughs> or the Adam West, you know, big giant, you know, supercomputer with red lights. His was almost a little more like an abandoned subway underneath yeah. the, the, yeah. the manor, which was kind of cool or like a sewer subway type deal, which I thought that was kind of cool. Because they weren't even like actually open in- cavern. They weren't actually even in Wayne Manor, right? They were in like a like a tower in the city, correct? And the subway just happened to be below it. Yeah, I don't know if they were actually in the manor or not. Because I remember the Riddler mm-hmm. saying something about, you know, uh, at one point, like, you know, we were both orphans, but you were up there looking down on everybody while we were all down here. And uh, I could be incorrect about that. It, it's been, what, three weeks now since we've seen it. I need yeah. to... I need to Wayne Manor is more of the high-rise penthouse in the Wayne building. In Gotham, I just don't I see why a subway station would be under Wayne Manor off, uh, you know, off to the side of uh, the city. But um, uh, yeah, that-, that may have been a nod to the Nolan films because in the first Nolan Batman, there was the rail system that was going straight into to, to the Wayne Tower. Oh, where right. Ross cool crash and mm. stuff. I don't know if that was uh, an homage to that or whatever, but very true. Uh, as far as everything, I guess we can start with like everything we liked about the film. One of the things I really liked, which was uh, something we haven't really seen from the other Batman films, unless I'm wrong, is just kind of the different perspectives of the Batman, you know, not only from the criminals, which, you know, again, like you were saying, David, when he comes walking out of the shadows, he looks horrifying. And, you know, you're, you're kind of sharing in the fear with the criminals there. But then when he's just walking in on a crime scene surrounded by police and they're all kind of like, "Yeah, hey, what are you doing here? He just kind of looks, he, he doesn't look bad. He just, you're, you're kind of seeing the perspective of the policeman. You know what I mean? There's like two different perspectives taking place during the film. And I absolutely love that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, because you know, he is a vigilante. He's not a cop. He's, he's not a uh, government investigator. He's just some guy <laughs> in a suit um <laughs> you know who's odd or or whatever um and i what what i really loved about it was sort of how he mirrored the riddler he understood yes. the riddler, he understood the riddler right off the bat because you could almost see him thinking i know this because that's how i would have done it i mean that that first uh clue that he he solves with with gordon about the thumb drive. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> oh, that. Oh, that's right. Yes. I'm thinking, oh, he figured that really quickly because that's how Bruce Wayne would have done something like that. <laughs> really <laughs> twisted. And that really, you know, when you get to the uh, the confrontation scene, the conversation between him and the Riddler, you really kind of get get the idea that the Riddler is like, it's you and me, buddy. We're, you know, yeah, we're in this together, uh, you know, you were you were doing everything that I expected you to do, and oh, and I was. It's really creepy how um, how they play up how fractured uh, the Bruce Wayne psyche is. And I mean, who is the, is the the guy who's running for mayor? 
or or is he running for police commissioner? The guy who gets murdered at the beginning, the the one who has the the kid oh. who was Bruce Wayne's age when he had friend. his head duct taped up. Yeah, yeah, that guy. Uh, I don't know if he was police commissioner if he if he was running for police commissioner or if he was running for for the. I mayor's. can't remember now. I don't remember either. But uh, how they kept focusing on how Bruce kept looking at the little boy, and you know you could see him sort of thinking, "That's me." Mm-hmm. Right. How do how do I prevent this from happening again? Or or <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It was just it just really it was just really really well done as far as like the characterization. If I had any sort of nitpick on about the movie is that I bought everything except Bruce Wayne. Oh, that's the truth. Yeah, and there I, was no I, separation I, between him and the Batman. They were the same oh, character. Well, that's the thing. It's like <laughs> as soon as Bruce Wayne walked in the room, it was like, oh, there's the Batman. how do you not know great how do you not know just you know hold hold a piece of card up there it's like oh it's him Uh, and and that and i thought that that was a strange choice but then i was thinking well maybe that's just my uh refusal to accept a new direction or whatever because i guess we've all been sort of conditioned and taught that bruce wayne is so obviously not batman that you would never pick him as as the vigilante type, right? He's always so suave. He's always so well dressed, or or in the in the Nolan take, he's so uh, unaffected by everything that you know you couldn't even imagine him taking the time out to worry about the poor people of Gotham. Uh, but here, it, it was very obviously, oh, here's the dark, breeding, brooding emo kid who listens to Nirvana and puts black stuff on his eyes and puts a helmet on and goes beats people up. I mean, uh, <laughs> so misunderstood. Yeah. I mean, when he showed up at the funeral, I was like, Holy shit. It's Batman right there. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was said it had only been a couple of years since he'd started doing it. So maybe you still right. got to get that kind of switch in between to make it seem like two people. Yeah. I mean, he, he did have some really cool James Bond tech, like the, uh, the camera in the, in the contact lens. I thought that, Oh, yeah, that was really cool. That was, that was sweet. Touching back on the, uh, what I was saying about the perspective. Cause I don't think I said it well enough. I mean, I, I know exactly what you're saying, but you know, the, obviously the cops see him as like, you know, like, oh, what's this guy doing here? Like, but the audience, I feel at least for me felt what the cops were feeling feeling like as intimidating as he looked walking out the water out of the darkness to beat up criminals to the audience when he was amongst the cops you like i was feeling like man he kind of looks like a dork now doesn't he like how quickly the same character is that, is that because of the way he was built because he's he wasn't bulky like batfleck you know right. No, I wouldn't even say it was that it's just it's just because seeing a bunch of cops and some fruit loop walking around in a cow cosplay yeah, just uh, there was you know, <laughs> in, in like the previous films there's not a lot of that happening it happens more in the animated series which uh you know i guess is easier to swallow but seeing it in real life and i'm not saying easier to swallow meaning it's like a hard pill to swallow it's really not but i just never seen that before you've seen him with gordon before but to see him with a room full of police officers like there was a part of me that was kind of going like he kind of looks like a dork right now but just as quick as i thought that in the next scene when he's in a fight or something he looks awesome again like it's awesome how they change the perspective of the exact same person in the exact same outfit yeah i mean i think that's done on purpose uh story-wise though because uh 
eventually at some point in the film, like the three quarters part, uh, three quarters mark in the film, Batman proves all these policemen right by right. punching Gordon in the face and then has to run and try to escape from the cops who are chasing him. Because all the cops are always thinking, why aren't we arresting this guy? He's a vet, he's a vigilante, right. he's a menace. <laughs> why, you know, he's beating up people and all this kind of stuff. Why aren't we arresting him? Why, you know, uh, and Gordon is like holding everybody back with like a piece of Band-Aid. It's no, 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 leave him alone, leave him alone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, I think from a story perspective, what you're talking about is intentional, that the police would look at him like, who is this guy? What is he doing right. here? And then they, of course, you know, we get to see that moment. So, and then there's that point later in the in the uh, movie when uh, he's going back to investigate that original crime scene, I believe, or maybe maybe he's in like an evidence holding. I can't remember, but he's looking at like that 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 carpet uh, tool, and that one officer walks in and kind of looks at him and st- like immediately kind of like almost looks like he's going to be like, "Hey, what are you doing?" But the Batman just stares at him and he just kind of like, all right, do your thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you raise another good point, uh, David. You were talking about the point where he hits Commissioner Gordon. And I don't even know if Gordon is a commissioner at this point, but he hits Gordon and runs to the top of the building and then wingsuits off. What did, what did you guys feel about the actual wingsuit itself? I thought it fit the character uh, at that point in time of his growth, right? Because... Right. If I'm remembering it right, he's been he's been doing this for two years. Right. Yeah. This is like year two. Yeah. He's perfected the ground suit. He's perfected what he needs to be wearing to not get shot or or whatever. But I don't think he's perfected the <laughs> the flying part of it yet, or the gliding part. Of it, right? <laughs> or no, the because he hit part. the gray. Yeah, he hit it pretty hard. <laughs> I mean, it was it was basically a wingsuit, right? It, it, right. it yeah. was old uh, Christian Bale. <laughs> I can't. No. Yeah personal glider or whatever it was i thought i thought it was well they 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 used a different camera technique right because uh they switched to almost like a first person view from over his shoulder where he was like winging through the uh to get it right yeah like he was wearing a gopro or something yeah Yeah, that in-person thrill ride of roller coaster oh my god i'm gonna crash kind of thing and then of course he does um (laughs) gets up and limps off into the alley like holy shit i didn't believe that worked <laughs> uh, yeah I thought it was awesome his car was freaking amazing yeah so, it, yes, was. it was that was one of my favorites wingsuit it he i don't know where it came from because all you hear is just like zip 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 oh i've got wings all of a sudden it was yeah i, mean, I don't there's know really the cape uh yeah that's what i that the, was kind of weird his arms and legs right i mean he just you know did that kind yeah. of yeah like, like, yeah, like and those are usually like parachute. Yeah, those are usually pretty big. So it's, I don't know. It was just kind of weird how that transition was, but it, it was still cool. I mean, it, if he has a contact with a, uh, the camcorder in it, I'm sure he can figure that out for sure. But <laughs> <I'm not> sure. <laughs> it, it was the landing that really kind of was like, come on. Because like how the parachute caught that overpass and just slammed him against the, un- the underneath of it. And then he, hit the bus and i was like nobody's walking away from that i don't care what kind of armor you have on no one's walking <laughs> away from that but whatever you know it's batman so uh, you know you can roll with it but I, I love the fact that his the the bat symbol on his chest was a a tool that he yes. could use yeah i think i think somebody also pointed out that it was uh 
he actually made it out of the gun that killed his parents. Uh, That's uh, why I heard something about that. It's from yeah. the stock, you know, he had, the, he had the handle from it, and then molded it to to the the thing. But to use it as like a cutting tool or whatever, I thought that's brilliant. That's fantastic. I hadn't heard that. I love that. That's that's really cool. Is that like fan theory, or did that come from like Matt Reeves? No, I, I think I think it's actually part of the costume design that that they went in there and and talked about how, or, or it might even have come from Matt Reeves' script where he talks about. Because, you know, thankfully, we did not rehash Thomas and Martha Wayne getting shot again. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, because every, by this time, everybody knows it so well, uh, you know, that we don't need to see that anymore. But, yeah, I mean, I just those, you know, there's a lot of like little visual details and stuff. Like I loved Colin Farrell as the Penguin. His, um, oh, yeah. The way he looked, the way he moved. uh sort of just the physicality of the character uh i think fits so perfectly and i I mean i've read a lot of things where people saying well he's playing sort of like this stereotypical italian gangster and i'm like yeah so what it was it was freaking awesome i mean i bought everything that came out of his mouth he he was a guy who had power but at the same time you saw him as sort of like a flunky to john tataro's uh falcone falcone yeah and uh just the car chase it's alone was just amazing. so amazing. So amazing. It was great. And I wish they used him more in it. I, I felt like he was way underused in it. I think he's the star of the HBO Max series. That's the spinoff of, of that thing. So uh, there's going to be a lot more Penguin coming. So I didn't even know there was a spinoff series. Yeah, there's movie? supposed to be yeah, a series coming out. And I don't, when I heard that, I was just like, come on, really? We're going to have a villain series now. Batman's not going to be in it. That's the only issue. I don't know. Didn't we already do that with Gotham, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I I really was. I tried Gotham the first two seasons I tried, and I was just like, all right, I'm a hard out on this. And, you know, it's its own telling. But, you know, I was just trying to, like, I was thinking it was a telling of the stuff we already know. So I, I just couldn't roll with Gotham, really. But I would love to see that because, David, you're right. I think Colin Farrell's Penguin was one of the if not the best characters from this film and Mm -hmm. like jack said he he should have been in it more like i would have loved to seen so much more of him he was so good like that whole scene where batman uh first goes into the club and just starts beating people up and uh he's he kind of turns to punch and then uh oswald's like standing there he's like whoa 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 sweetheart you know calm down like i love that like he wasn't afraid of him like hardly at all like if at all like it was just i don't know i i loved him and and you could if i hadn't known going going in that it was colin farrell i would have never ever right. guessed no. no he like emanated tony soprano Ooh, yeah, a little bit. yeah. <laughs> uh, al capone scarface kind of vibe to it yeah and zoe kravitz as as selena the the cat woman i thought was awesome she's so tiny She's so so tiny compared to everybody else in the movie. I was like, "Holy crap! You can just bend her in half like a twig." Uh, <laughs> but was, I mean, uh, go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say. I mean, you're right. She was. Uh, when I say this, like, I don't want to like. I didn't buy her. Like, her performance was great. I loved her in the film. But at the end of the day, like, we're reflecting on the film. She, I just didn't. Uh, I don't know. I guess her height had a lot to do with it. She was very short, and um, uh, she was almost too beautiful for me. (laughs) I know Catwoman's (laughs) supposed to be beautiful, but 
Jiminy, like she was gorgeous. I don't know, like I, I she was great. And I, I, I want to say me not buying her as Catwoman does not mean I'm saying she wasn't good because she definitely was. She definitely was. I mean, I, I thought it was a great take. I mean, uh, and you know, they didn't come out and write, uh, write out and say if she was bisexual or, or pansexual or whatever, but I got the impression that she had a relationship with the Russian girl that had been kidnapped or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah, same here. Maybe all the time. And but then she also had a very definite attraction to uh vengeance or, or <laughs> uh, yeah. so and I don't know if she was doing that uh as a sort of self-defense manipulative tactic or she actually mm. felt that way. But uh, you know, I, I love the fact that they both had motorcycles and um they kind of worked together uh in a sort of <laughs> not so friendly way or whatever. Uh right. And having to talk so I, down from taking vengeance, which is what he's been doing for the last two years, seems kind of like, aren't you contradicting yourself there, Ben? <laughs> he's doing you, it as a whole, not against one person. It's different. <laughs> Have you guys, uh, either of you, read or seen the movie uh, Long Halloween? No. Uh, I know of it. Uh, I don't think I've actually seen it. Uh, this movie really echoed that quite a bit, especially at the end uh, with the two of them, because... There came a scene, there was a part like they were, Catwoman and uh, Batman were really gelling. And it came to the end where she had to leave him because it was like, you will never take a life. Like, you will never do what's necessary. And that's the opposite of who I am. And that's kind of what led them to split. And um, I don't know, that just seemed to... I can't even remember why she why she told him she had to go at the end. What was that? I don't remember. I don't remember, um, I don't remember I, if it was that exactly, but I feel like it was it was harking on that uh, that ending when from Long Halloween. When they're on the rooftop on the motorcycles. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Because <laughs> you made a joke during the movie that she just drove yeah. off the top of the the. They're both on a balcony up on the roof on the motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> I had read an article that was talking about like her suit and just her in general. And cause I guess a lot of people were griping because of her hood was kind of pretty cheap and generic looking. Yeah. But they were saying that she's not technically Catwoman yet. That's not really a cat suit. It's just a, a big onesie that she well, was wearing. It's funny yeah. you say that because you're right. I mean, it's kind of like what they did with uh, Anne Hathaway in uh, uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Well, you know, she's never really called Catwoman. She just happens to be when she flips her goggles up, it kind of gives her the appearance of cat ears. And she's a well, cat burglar. Well, she was burglar. A, a cat burglar. I don't think she but no was one ever technically... Said. She's well, I, I think I think Matt Reeves has gone on record in saying this isn't a Batman origin movie. This is Batman's villains origin movie. Uh, so uh, well, that makes total sense. Then yeah, this is this is where the Penguin really sort of gets to be the Penguin or gets the idea to become the Penguin. This this is the I you know where Catwoman gets the idea to be a Catwoman. And while we already have two people in Arkham that are obviously going to be part of the Rogues Gallery or whatever, but oh my because God, Batman has yeah. been operating for two years, so. He's already had his origin, you know, and again, this is sort of like <laughs> the creation of the villains kind of stuff. So the only implication to a cat that was when like uh, when she had I can't remember who it was on the rooftop. She was looking to throw over. 
I, I we should have recorded this sooner to the weekend at release because I'm forgetting a lot of details now. But Batman had said to her, like, I don't want you to ruin your life or something to that effect. And she's like, don't worry, I've got nine of them. Or when he's in an apartment and he goes, man, you got a lot of cats. And goes, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah. That's where I thought you were going, Jeremy, with that one. I didn't catch the nine lives part. Yeah. Man, in, um, going way back, kind of diverting from Catwoman, unless anybody else had anything to say about Catwoman. Mm-mm. The Batman and Riddler really seem to be kind of the same character throughout the whole movie, if that makes sense. Like there were so many times like there was like the perspective to the audience, like you're looking through goggles and just like, oh, who am I, whose perspective is this? Is this Batman Riddler? And, you know, him him saying that I'm vengeance the whole time. And then at the end, one of the Riddler thugs saying, you know, I'm vengeance. There was just like a hard echo, like making them almost the same uh, character on. And again, not to use these Harvey Two-Face puns, but, you know, characters on opposite <laughs> sides of the, the coin. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, again, again, uh, the way the film was shot, uh, our introduction to the Riddler is uh, straight out of a horror movie because yeah. you see that guy walking back and forth in his office about the re- election results and all that kind of stuff. And as he walks by the shadows, in the shadows, the Riddler's already in the room with him. And mm-hmm. it's that sort of like, oh, the serial killer's in the house. Uh, horror, horror moment, the same horror moment of the creature coming up out of the shadows, the Frankenstein's monster coming to grab you around the neck or whatever. I think that's something that's been long overdue with these superhero movies. Uh, James Gunn did it a little bit with Brightburn, uh, but, uh, and the boys have, have sort of like really kind of dived into the whole idea that having superheroes around would be nightmarish on, on yeah, a very yeah. real level. Um, you know, so we should be glad that those, kind of people don't exist but at the same time we're like these are our modern myths these are the kind of things that we kind of aspire to or uh not the vengeance or the beating people up but the sort of like trying to inspire and i think my favorite moment in the batman came really near the end and it had nothing to do with punching people in the face but uh the way it was shot and the way it was lit when he was walking through the water trying to lead all those people to safety with their flare. And it was just like this red shot of the black bat parting the water while these people followed him at, you know, to rescue to safety. I thought that's Batman. That's the, that's the guy yeah. who's going to inspire Gotham or whatever. That's um, when everyone realized that there's a hero. Yeah. And, yeah. and that shot of him, you know, uh, making sure the kid was all right in, in the, in the helicopter thing and then you know the oh, shot of him right. down and he's covered in in you know muck from from all the water and stuff and he's like i'm the guy who's going to stick my neck out i'm the fireman i'm the paramedic that's going to help everybody so i thought that was the best part of the whole movie and I, you know another aspect of it that i this has just been kind of dawning on me lately is that the Riddler really won in this movie. The Batman didn't, uh, you know, he was there to help pick up the mess, but the Riddler won ultimately. Am I wrong about that? There's that wonderful line he has in the interrogation where he goes, Oh, you're not as smart as I thought you were. (laughs) Um, Because in that scene, the, the way he's talking about Bruce Wayne you really, you, you see the fear in Rob Patterson's eyes. Yes. Yeah. 
he knows who I am. But then there's that sort of like twist in the dialogue where you realize, oh, he doesn't know that I'm Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. Telling me that Bruce Wayne needs to be the next one to go or whatever. And I thought that was such a really, really well-written scene. And it was brilliantly acted by those guys, uh, especially Paul Dano. He's, Paul Dano is great in just about everything. But Yes, he uh, is. I mean, when they go to arrest him in the coffee shop, there's that famous painting called The Night Owls, I think it is. It's a, it's like a 40s noir painting of a Chicago diner. And it's got that green. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. And I'm like, that's it. That's that's The Night Owls. And they go in there and he's he's just making a little question mark in the coffee. I was like, that is <laughs> awesome. Because it, it, it pays homage to all of the, the Riddler tropes of, you know, leaving these stupid question marks and all the notes were in... Uh, all the riddles were in envelopes, just, you know, with the really bad handwriting on them and stuff. They still had all of those sort of comic Jim Carrey over the top Riddler kind of moments, but they were so well executed in a grim and dark way that you didn't really recognize it until after. It was like, oh, yeah, that's <laughs> you weren't surprised that there wasn't like a flower that popped up and went, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> well, you know, that's what's uh, so great about this film, too, is, uh, you know, in all the previous Batman films, you're watching what, you know, Bruce Wayne and Batman are doing, and then there'll be a quick cut over to what the Joker's doing or the Riddler or Two-Face or whoever. And it's just a, it's a back and forth. Like you're always let in on both sides. And that did not happen here. You were along for the ride with the police and the Batman the whole way. And I absolutely adored that about this film. That's what I like too, because it was it reminded you a lot of the Arkham games, because yeah. you never see the yeah. Riddler. You're just constantly running into his stuff, and you, his he's probably the hardest one to beat in the game because it's so hard to do those, all this stuff. Those, those, yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, it's one of the one of the best villains because he's so hard to fight in it, and you never see him at all. And uh, Paul Dano, again, is that how you say his name, Paul Dano? I believe so. He was so amazing. I was so happy to see he was the Riddler. Uh, I thought he was a perfect choice. The only other thing I had seen him in was in uh, Love and Mercy that uh, John Cusack and uh, he did uh, the telling of the Brian Wilson Beach Boy story. Did you guys ever see that? I didn't see mm -hmm. that, but uh, I remember him from um, what was the Sunshine film that he did, Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, I forgot about that. He was in There There Will Be Blood with Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, he's, he's been in so many great things. Um, he was in something else that I, I couldn't believe he was in. I can't remember. Someone told me about it the other day, and I was like, serious? But I can't remember yeah, what he was. He was in Looper, too. He was in Looper with uh, jo Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Bruce Willis. And what's, what's amazing to me is I think Paul Dano has, I think he has less than 15 minutes of screen time in The Batman. You know, right. for a three-hour film, I mean, he's just nailing every single second he's on the screen. It's awesome. Absolutely. We're going to jump to a quick commercial break, but when we come back, more on The Batman. Hit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on!
Outlawpinball.com is a retro gaming and pinball apparel company based in Ohio that offers t-shirts, hoodies, hats, keychains, and more featuring retro gaming and pinball-inspired designs. Every purchase gets you entered into the Outlawpinball.com pinball machine giveaway that happens every three months, and right now you can get the Mandalorian pinball machine. Get an entry for every dollar spent in the store or become a VIP member to get store discounts and 30 bonus entries into the giveaway every month. The winner of the Mandalorian pinball machine will be randomly selected on June 14th. So go pick up some pinball and gaming inspired apparel to get your name entered. Also, when you're at checkout, go down to the promo box and type in CANNED10 for 10% off your purchase. That's C-A-N-N-E-D and the number 10. So go grab some apparel and get entered to win at outlawpinball.com. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about the last few minutes of his screen time. When he's in his cell, he's bouncing <laughs> off the walls, and he starts talking to the person in the cell next to him. What did we think about this uh, Joker, and I use air quote, Joker cameo? What do we think? Uh... I thought it was it, it was something that that kind of came out of left field for me. I was like, going, "Really? Oh, that's awesome! Same. How did you get there?" Yeah, and uh, I thought it was great the way they shot it. So he was just sort of like in silhouette all the time, and I'm like, "Going, who is that? Who is that?" And come to find out, it's uh, Barry Kilgan from uh, the Eternals, uh, the character, the guy who played Druig in the Eternals. Uh, oh, no kidding. okay. Yeah, he was, and he was in the Green Knight. I mean, he's he's done, had a lot of roles to himself, but I'm like going wow, I would never have pegged that, that casting. And I'm like, okay, so how how is, how come he's here? How did he get in here? And got to wonder if, you know, is that somebody that, that Batman dealt with in the first year or whatever? And and how are they going to explain how he looks and, you know, what's the origin going to be for that guy? So, yeah. I hated the laugh he let out. I was so, so put off by that scene. I felt it so unnecessary. I just did not like it at all. I was very put off by that. Like, because like you said, David, it just, it raises too many questions that have too many, uh, like, well, how is he like, has, so has Batman already encountered him? Like, is he already the Joker without ever? Cause again, this is year two. So maybe he hasn't, dropped into the vat acid yet and totally gone loopy he's just but isn't that what made him crazy loopy? enough yeah well it depends already on which origin you go with right I yeah mean, uh, uh, yeah and i guess that you know it, it's all yeah that's just it's all relevant to the whatever story is being told i i don't know i could have been putting arkham like for being all. crazy and then he gets released and somehow bats drops him in acid and then that's where it all begins who knows he already seemed like he had been dropped in some acid. He seemed <laughs> nuttier than squirrel shit, man. He, he but yeah. I, when the moment came up in the movie, I was like going, I had no idea this was in here. This is awesome. It was sort of like, you know, kind of opening the door, walking down the hall and opening the wrong door and go, oh, I had no idea you were here at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I really could have done without it, but um, maybe, you know, the next movie or... I don't know. Maybe the next movie will will take that away from me. Maybe it'll make it right or something. But for me, that was just such a put off. It was my hands down least favorite part of that film. I just really could have done without that cameo. Would it have been better if it was Joaquin? 
Yeah, it would have been. <laughs> it would have been. If they would yeah, have tied would. in Joaquin uh, Phoenix's Joker to this film, holy hell, I would have been on board because yeah. I am in love with that Joker. <laughs> I kept waiting also for uh, Harvey Dent's name to show up or something around there, but yeah, never did at all. Were there no Easter eggs? I didn't pay attention. Nothing that I, I happened to catch. I mean, looking around, it was hard to see a lot of stuff because it was so dark. Yeah. So it was really hard to see any detail, but I never heard, saw a sign or heard a name anywhere. So mm. I was kind of disappointed on that. Not like it ruined the movie or anything. Just like, oh, no. there was something that wasn't in there. No. I, Leave it no, for later. Leave it for later. No matter what grievances I say, no matter what I say I dislike, this was a great movie. I love how, like, how it, when it immediately started, you just had that... And it's even hard to put your finger on somewhere across between that animated series and like the comics kind of a feel like it just it felt right. And it felt like no other Batman movie has so far. Well, I mean, I think the movie starts off with like 10 minutes of the Riddler setting up that guy uh, to, you know, crack him in the back of the head. I mean, you, the, I think the movie starts with him across the building and you just hear him breathing as he as he's looking. Yeah, that's right. Oh is. yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought, wow, this is a very interesting way to start, where you you don't know who's casing this building or whatever, because most of these other movies you start with some sort of like appearance of Batman beating up a bad guy or or, um, but this really kind of started uh, started off with kind of something from the villain's perspective, and I thought, oh, that was a really interesting take. I thought, okay. There was that whole scene. I don't know if it came after that or before um, where there was just kind of the camera going through slowly going through like the alleys where they were showing the montage of like the criminals looking off into the dark and stuff. I don't remember if there was narration happening over that, but I think so. I think that was right after you saw the, the back of Bruce Wayne walking through the crowd in the rain. Okay. He was narrating the diary entry about, you know, October 24th. Or act October thirty first, I think it was. I think it was Halloween or whatever. But yeah. Oh, was it really? Well, that really ties into Long Halloween then. Oh yeah. Yeah, it does, huh? Which I loved a, how I had that voiceover in the beginning. Just kept it that whole noir detective feel to it. That was really the best, one of the best parts of that movie too. Yeah, yeah. it was a lot of information to take in, especially for a three hour movie. And uh, me myself, I've got the attention span the size of a gnat. So the second my mind goes running on one particular detail, I miss everything that's happening while my mind's running <laughs> on that detail. So I'm so excited for the rewatch. It's coming on uh, HBO, correct? Uh, what, April April 10th? 10th, I think it is. Yep. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah you got that right oh shit i i'm i'm down for that rewatch well, but I, I canceled my amazon prime so maybe i'll maybe i'll do a month or two of hbo to catch up let me get that free weekend or something yeah, like right, that right, right. there you go <laughs> well, i know I i've definitely I've, one, one i'm gonna buy uh uh i've been uh buying a lot of movies on digital streaming so uh the batman is definitely one i'm gonna buy so the re- yeah, like you said, the rewatch. I want to stop it, look at the details, see if there is yes. anything on the walls and, and that kind yeah. of thing. And I'll just what the behind the scenes extras they might include with it. So Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Did the digital uh purchases come with that stuff too? Usually uh, they do. Some, yeah, some of them I do. I mean I I got I got uh Spider-Man Far From Home or No Way Home on digital streaming and it had a lot of the extras, the gag reels and um, oh wow! Yep. So, yeah, Same I didn't. See I realized stuff. this weekend that 
movies, I have to see them twice to really know if I like them. Because like No Way Home, I liked it, but I watched it this past weekend and I like it a lot more now. I think it's a yeah. lot of because of the anticipation, paying attention the first time around to see, make sure you catch everything that's going on. And then all the speculation and just surprises that are going to happen. After that's all out of the way, you can just sit and just indulge and soak up the whole movie. After. Yeah. Yeah. No Way Home's uh, second watch was so much better than I think the first. Because like I said, yeah. as soon as you see one thing that starts to make your mind question and wonder and stuff, you miss everything while your mind's reeling. At least mm -hmm. I do. I just kind of blank <laughs> glaze over. But um, I'm so excited for the rewatch, but I don't think I'm going to be able to do it in one sitting. I'm going to have to like uh, probably do it over a day or two for the Batman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, if you like your entertainment in one hour chunks, you get ready for Moon Knight next week. And that'll be. Oh, <laughs> I am so excited. So excited. And we're going to be excited. talking about that. Moon Knight is a favorite of mine because he's sort of like Marvel's answer to DC's Batman. Yes. They're the same sort of power set, the same sort of uh, bone breaking, don't give a shit. Uh, I'm going to get what needs to get done, done attitude. So, uh, but I think they're going a little bit of a different direction with uh, Oscar Isaac and, and they're going to really d dive into the split personality aspects of the character so uh but some of the visuals that i've seen the, the shots there's a there's a shot of him leaping down and his cape comes up and it's just so beautifully done <laughs> yeah it looks awesome and let me ask you david has moon knight always had that split personality uh aspect to his character because it seems like the first time i saw that was about three years ago uh, when they start, they started the uh, Moon Knight number one again, and it seems like they've even started another series since then. But um, uh, the only uh, past that, the only reference I have of Moon Knight was from like older Spider-Man video games, and that did not seem to be a part of his uh, character originally. Well, Moon Knight is a favorite for my my mind because his his first appearance is one of, in one of my favorite of all time Marvel characters, which is Werewolf by Night. He's he's commissioned by some group that wants the werewolf killed and so he's got these moon bladed weapons because the moon is part of the werewolf mythology oh. and all that stuff. Mm. um but in in the first first appearance and, and first iteration of mark specter as as moon knight he's just some sort of costumed bounty hunter kind of thing but he doesn't have like the split personality i think the split personality came along 90s maybe i'm i'm real oh wow hazy. that long ago the, uh, the growth of the character, but it's going to be very interesting to see how they work in the the Egyptian mythology. The what I'm really excited about it for is them really sort of kicking the doors open wide for all the supernatural supernatural elements of the Marvel universe to sort of come to the, come on the stage. Right. And um, one of the one of the guys that I follow on TikTok, um, wonderful creator who's always doing really deep dives into into the Marvel stuff. Uh, straw head goofy is is his name i believe and um he he said you know i would i would it wouldn't surprise me at all if we get to see a cameo from uh, the black knight or from blade at the end of the moon of the noon moon night six sixth episode mm. where we really get to introduce the or really dive into the the supernatural elements and stuff and of course with dr strange and the multiverse of madness introducing us to the scarlet witch really 
expanding on her powers and of course dark doctor strange coming coming into real life i mean we're, i think we're going to start to see a lot more of like marvel zombies and um all the vampire stuff with blade and i'm hoping i'm keeping my fingers crossed that we get werewolf <laughs> but <laughs> you know, we'll but i'm moon knight is such a fucked up character uh who has like a real beef with Dracula. So I don't know how, how they're going to deal with that or if they're going to ignore it completely, but um, uh, we'll see. We'll see. But I mean, if you've seen screenshots or, or little video clips of the costume, it is so, uh, it's so intricate and in how they worked in the Egyptian hieroglyphs and just the way his cowl works and all the mummy wrappings on him. It, it's just really, really cool. His face is the only thing that, it's kind of off for me for some reason. I don't know if it's just like it, it, the, it doesn't look like his face is thin enough. Yeah. And, and the way the white eyes glow and cause that's never really gotten done because it typically doesn't work very well, but I think it'll be all right. I, I think he looks sweet. He's, he's one of those characters that I don't know enough about to draw any kind of judgment on what I've seen thus far or what the series is going to put before me. You know what I mean? Like I'm aware of the character I've seen him cameo in comics and video games here and there, but um, yeah. So I don't think I'm going to be the least bit disappointed at all. I cannot freaking wait for it, and um, I think it's something that we need to reconvene for once the series has uh, started and talk about more. If you guys are down, yeah. oh yeah, maybe we could get Randy in on one of these. <laughs> <laughs> Depends if we can get him to watch it. I uh, know that's what I mean. <laughs> you watch this yet? Yeah, no, not yet. <laughs> and you said how many episodes, David? Had they said was it going to be about six? Six, yeah, six episodes. Maybe They're about could, forty to fifty minutes. Maybe yeah. we could do the first three episodes in an episode in a review episode, and then uh, talk about the whole series uh, when it's ended. Yeah, because uh, they're not releasing them all at the same time, and they're going to release them weekly. So that's uh, about four weeks from now. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I am looking forward to that. Is there anything else that, boy, we, when we get together, we just really go hard into Marvel, don't we guys? (laughs) (laughs) Which is not a bad thing, but, (laughs) but is there anything else we need to, uh, anybody wanted to say about the Batman before we ended? I just really, really enjoyed it. I, I, I went into it with no expectations, but I think, uh, that was great. I mean, I knew I was going to be in for a, a very atmospheric film, which I was excited about. Um, and I, I need to see uh, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley because that that movie is another movie that's dripping with atmosphere and I need to watch that one. But um, I just love the whole neo-noir horror take. I thought it was awesome. I agreed. It was it was mm-hmm. so good. So freaking good. And um, I, I went in with, expectations of it's not going to be good i don't know why but i i you know those expectations were pushed to the side i absolutely loved it again the length was a bit much for me which is which is silly to say because marvel movies are two and a half hours so what's another 30 minutes Uh, and again i was never bored but again i was like man my ass is starting to get a little sore maybe it's just the fault of the movie theater seats maybe that's the only reason i felt the length it's pacing was a little slow like not a lot happened constantly like the marvel seemed like endgame there were a lot of like slow walking scenes weren't there i guess yeah (laughs) and it's dark as hell so i that's gonna make it a little feel longer 
I lose the suspension of disbelief. I was I was in no. it from the beginning. No. Yeah. The other thing I really love about it is that you really felt like the city was lived in, that that people actually lived there, that um, right life was going on, and and it. So many times when you see these movies, you know there there are some shots where you're like, well, why was that shot there? Is that just a filler shot? Uh, you know, it's just a, a glance of the buildings or or whatever. But every shot in here in the movie really seemed to be purposeful. This is here for this reason to show you this or whatever. So uh, yeah, I, I just really really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Very, I very would good. have to agree with you. I cannot wait for that rewatch so it it can totally sink in. But I think that's going to then do it for our Batman conversation. Unless anyone, knows. Jack, do you anything else? I give it four and a half cans. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at you. <laughs> out of five. Yeah. <laughs> four out of five cans. I like it. I like it. That'll be, that'll be the rating system going forward. <laughs> well, then, Jack, why don't you tell these listeners uh, where they can find us? Go to candairpodcast.com where you can listen, like, subscribe, follow, share, see some YouTube videos, buy some merch, become a patron. And if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And you can find us on Twitter at candairpod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And like Jack was saying on candairpodcast.com, if you want to show some support, there's a merch tab where you can get t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and that Patreon link where you can get all kinds of extra content, people. Just at the $5 level, there's 50 more episodes that you can indulge in. And at $10, even more special projects, Candair Radio Theater, uh, the Comic Vault, bonus episodes, Candair Classics, all kinds of stuff. So it's definitely worth the money, I think. If you like what you're getting here, you're going to like what you're getting over there. And uh, once again, don't forget to find us at evergreenpodcast.com, the network we're so very proud to be a part of, with a lot of other great shows like our brothers in Podcasting Arms, Game Fix Pod. Mm-hmm. They're over there. And um, it looks like we might get an opportunity to meet some uh, other podcasts here in the future. It looks like we might be going on a little road trip up to actually record at the uh, Evergreen headquarters. A real studio. Not that yours isn't a real studio. I was going to say, what the fuck are you implying here? Six foot soundboards behind (laughs) glass. Foam padding on the walls. That's the... Well, we're very excited. Nothing's concrete yet, but we hope uh, we can make that happen and get to uh, finally, you know, press the flesh with the people that uh, make all this possible. So... Yeah. David, I want to thank you so much for taking time to be here. It's always awesome to nerd out with you, man. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for letting me go on and on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for letting us, man. Yeah. Until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm David Fielding. Be excellent to each other, everyone.
Wait, come back. The ice could break. Whoops. Help. Quickly, walk back to the edge. Stop, you'll break through the ice. Snow job! Grab this branch. You should have been listening to canned air. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Snow job, how'd you get your name? Um... G.I. Joe! This has been a canned air production. Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today, and uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.